Good afternoon. This is Dr. Lewis Blevins podcasting from San Rafael, California. We did a recent series of about five podcasts related to the medical management of patients with residual recurrent Cushing's disease. Wouldn't you know, just as soon as the podcast series was finished and published, another drug was approved. So I'm going to podcast on that drug today. And the drug is Recorlev, also known as Levoketoconazole, obviously related to ketoconazole that I spoke about uh, during an earlier podcast. So let's talk about ketoconazole. It's actually a mixture of the dextrorotatory and levorotatory enantiomers of ketoconazole. For those of you who don't remember your organic chemistry, a, a dextrorotatory enantiomer is one that rotates light to the right, levo rotates it to the left. And ketoconazole is a mix of both of those. Uh, the dextrorotatory, as are most dextro compounds in human biology, are not biologically active. So it's really the levoketoconazole within ketoconazole that uh, gets the job done and inhibits adrenal enzyme production. Because of the hepatotoxicity associated with ketoconazole, uh, the, the drug levoketoconazole was evaluated, uh, taken through clinical trials, and now has uh, been approved by the US FDA uh, for uh, treatment of patients with residual and recurrent Cushing's. It's also been studied in people who are de novo Cushing's patients, and I believe it's approved in that setting if you have a patient who needs medical management before you would uh, take them to surgery. Personally, I think this is uh, tremendous, and I suspect this drug will supplant the use of ketoconazole, which is off-label for Cushing's, and this drug is on-label, so it probably should be chosen uh, of, of the two, amongst the two compounds if you're uh, trying to think about using ketoconazole. So I want to start by saying that I have no experience using levoketoconazole. I did not participate in the clinical trials that were done to uh, prove the efficacy of this drug. I've read the papers, I've looked at the product uh, information and recommend that you do the same if you're choosing to use this in one of your patients. Unfortunately, this drug, as does ketoconazole, has a black box warning, and that black box warning talks about the hepatotoxicity. Um, I'll just share the information now. In the studies that were done, abnormal liver functions, either AST or ALT, were seen in about 45% of treated patients. Now, you have to keep in mind that a lot of patients with Cushing's have fatty liver and are going to have transaminitis anyways. But during therapy, they noticed that AST or ALT elevations were seen in greater than uh, three times normal in, I think it was about 11%, if I remember the data correctly, uh, and greater than five times normal in about 5% of persons. This is a little lower than the numbers that I remember for ketoconazole, uh, but the point is the drug does cause some hepatotoxicity, uh, which is usually reversible if you discontinue the medication. The other thing in the black box warning was that it uh, can uh, prolong the QT interval, so it should be, that should be followed and it should be used cautiously in patients who are already on drugs that prolong the QT interval. 
The uh, product information sheet says that the starting dose is 150 milligrams twice a day. And you treat for two to three weeks and then you can increase by 150 milligrams daily, the, the daily dose being up 150 milligrams as needed every two to three weeks to a maximum dose of 1200 milligrams a day administered as 600 milligrams twice a day. These are similar doses for ketoconazole, but notice this is twice a day, whereas ketoconazole in some patients is best used every six hours. The main contraindications, and there are several, you should review that, but the main contraindications are cirrhosis, chronic liver disease with abnormal liver functions, and drugs that prolong the QT interval. There may be a few more, but those are the ones that caught my mind. Side effects are the hepatotoxicity, prolongation of the QT interval, uh, symptoms of hypocortisolism. Uh, you can actually see lowering of testosterone levels in men, and that can be clinically important as well. And then, of course, all drugs have a, a bit of hypersensitivity uh, due to the product uh, and the interaction with the immune system. There are a couple studies that have been done to evaluate this drug and uh, were evaluated by the FDA as well before it was approved. In one study, they included 84 patients with Cushing's, about uh, probably... I don't remember the exact number, maybe 83, 84% had Cushing's disease, 10% had adrenal disease, and the remainder were patients with ectopic ACTH hypersecretion and an unknown source. The unknown sources are either adrenal or ectopic in my experience. Rarely they're a pituitary tumor though. Um, and uh, almost all those patients entered a dose titration phase and the bottom line is after about uh, four weeks of study, 47% of patients had achieved a normal uh, mean urine-free cortisol uh, through the study. I think they did a, um, a, a, a continuation where half the patients then transitioned to placebo and the other half continued on drug. And at the end of that study, about half the patients on levoketoconazole were controlled and um, only about 5% of the patients on placebo had maintained control. In the second study, uh, again, similar number of patients, I think it was 92 or 94 or so, uh, most of the patients had pituitary adenomas. It was about the same distribution of uh, those with Cushing syndrome and ectopic ACTH hypersecretion. Um, I should say Cushing syndrome due to adrenal adenoma, ectopic, and then unknown sources. Uh, most of those patients did go to a six-month study, and at the end of the titration phase, about 67% of patients were controlled. And at the end of a long-term study, 31% of patients were controlled. It's not clear to me why that number is different, but we see that with ketoconazole in that uh, you have initial successes and then patients lose efficacy over time. It may be that the uh, HPA axis is ramping up and overcoming the effect of the drug in those patients, but we're really not entirely sure. So this appears to be a very useful drug uh, and another good drug to have in the management of patients with residual and recurrent and de novo hypercortisolism due to Cushing's of whatever cause. Uh, I can't imagine using ketoconazole now that this drug is approved and has an indication for hypercortisolism, whereas ketoconazole does not. Um, and I look forward to giving it a try and encourage you to do the same. Once again, Dr. Lewis Blevins of Pituitary World News. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your day and evening. Take care. Bye.